Hello and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Microsoft Lists, Pocket Casts, and Coda.io. I'm Simona Rochefort, Senior Video Producer at Polygon, and I'm joined today by Brianna Wu, Executive Director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft, which, as I just noted, disclosure, is a sponsor of the show. Although I don't <laughs> believe you're, you work on Microsoft Lists, as far I as not. I know. So no, no. No. There's separation of church and state. How can, are we doing this week? Can we just week? tell the truth here? Can we just be honest? Christina handed both you and I a giant suitcase of money before we started recording. <laughs> That's exactly what and happened. she said, look, look, we're doing the ad for them. Don't tell the truth. That's what she said before <laughs> uh, we started. <laughs> where does she get these giant suitcases of money? I'm always wondering this. <laughs> Come on, Christina, I have a guy. Donut. Okay, good. You found an eBay seller who just sells giant cases of money. I mean, I I just said I have a guy. I'm not I'm not going to disclose who my guy is or or how I get there. But you're yeah, right. I have a guy. You're right. Steve you are Ballmer right to do confirmed. So. It's Steve Ballmer. Oh man, Steve. Well, we have a pretty exciting show this week, so I say we just get right into it. Of course, later we will be covering the news that we missed last week which are the Mac Studio and Studio Display reviews that came out, I believe, the day after we recorded last week. Uh, And they are more exciting and more divisive than I thought they would be. But you get to wait around for that because first we have a very strange YouTube culture story and car culture story out of L.A., This week, an L.A. Subaru owner owner had his Subaru Forester wrecked in a strange viral car stunt gone wrong. So a few days ago, a YouTuber called Alex Choi hosted a Tesla meetup in Los Angeles, which, according to the YouTube video that Choi posted, culminated in an unknown Tesla driver offering to show him where David Dobrik had jumped his own Tesla on this like big, notorious, very steep hill in Echo Park in L.A., According to Choi in his video, they went to that hill and suddenly the the driver told them to park and then suddenly zipped up the hill, jumped off the top of it in his Tesla, landed a long way down the hill. There is video footage of this uh, destroying several trash cans, colliding with a couple cars, including Jordan Hook's Subaru Forester. The Tesla, which was apparently a rental, was abandoned at the scene. Uh, Again, according to the video that... (laughs) That this YouTuber posted online. They all left this accident there. The cops arrived and they were all like, let's be somewhere else. And they yeah, were. Yeah. They, they, they didn't talk to anyone. They didn't talk to any of the people who lived in the neighborhood. They didn't talk to the police. They just kind of left and then very, very casually came back later to be like, wow, we sure left a lot of trash can wheels strewn about this residential street. Um, if See, okay, that- okay, let me just interject real quick. Yeah. Coming back to the scene of the crime for the video is the dumbest part of this because I have to say, I completely understand just hightailing out of there as soon as like the crash happens. Like whether you know the guy, you don't know the guy, whatever, like you're with people, like stuff goes down, um, the cops are called or they're on the way, you get out of there. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a car person, but when I was in high school, I was friends with like people who were into kind of like the, the car culture, car modding scene. And this would happen on weekends where there would be some sort of shenanigans and then the co- the car- the cops would be called and it was kind of like, you know, fast and furious. Like you would like you would hightail it out of there. 
So I totally get leaving the scene of the crime and I totally get not talking to the neighbors. Is it a, is it a dick move? Sure. But I get it. What I don't get is going back. There are a few parts of this that I think we'll get to that are incomprehensible and you have yeah, pinpointed I, one of them and that's going would, back to the I would scene. Take, I would take issue with dumbest part because there's so <laughs> many dumb parts of this okay, that fair. We're, we've only scratched the surface <laughs> of a, a zoo of dumb. Shall <laughs> I continue with my recap? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So, um, of course, poor uh, Jordan Hook, who owns the Super Forester, comes out tomorrow morning and is like, wow, my car that I just spent $5,000 repairing the engine of is completely destroyed because a whole Tesla flying through the air collided with it. Um, Hook said that the police told him that because initially told him that because this is property damage and they couldn't identify the driver. Somehow, question marks, I got more question marks there. Put a pin in that. It was likely that no one would be prosecuted. And apparently, according to a a write-up that I read on Vice, it was only later after Choi's video had gone viral that Mm -hmm. they then put a detective, that Hook was told, oh, there's a detective on this case and he will be your contact. Uh, So in the aftermath of this, Hook sets up a GoFundMe to pay for the repairs or possibly to buy a new car because his car is completely wrecked and he lives in L.A., which is when it gets, again, even dumber, because by this point, Choi has posted the video of him witnessing an illegal car stunt and then leaving the scene on YouTube where it has proceeded to go viral. Um, Hook used a clip of this video in his own uh, like GoFundMe video to, you know, demonstrate this is the bad thing that happened to me. And then Choi issued a DMCA takedown against that video uh, for two reasons. Uh, one in the because the video was used, that was his video. And then also because the page claimed that Choi organized the stunt. Uh, he called that defamatory. Mm-hmm. And, and and that there's more of that that, that that happens later on. Go on. Yeah. Simultaneously with this, in what is seemingly a, a third plot, I'm sorry, I'm introducing a whole other plot. Initially, it was thought that a different YouTuber, uh, Dominicus Zaglitis, who goes by Dirty Dom online, who you might recognize <sighs> if you read up on any of the crap that happened with David Dobrik's entourage, uh, including alleged sexual assault, this freaking guy. He's the sexual assaulter, allegedly, by the way. Yes. Just putting that out there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this guy sees the video of Alex Trey and the, the Tesla stunt that has gone viral and decides to edit his own video together, making it appear as though he did the Tesla stunt for, uh, as he says, blatantly at the beginning of his video explaining why and how he did this, because if it went viral, he would get attention and popularity and followers and hate likes and regular likes. Um, So he was actually being sought by the LA police for a while because they thought that he did it because he posted a video that because made it dumb. look like he freaking did it. Because, <laughs> because, the LA, because the LAPD are clearly dumb because if they'd looked at anything even remotely closely, they'd be like, this guy is just promoting his line of edibles. Yeah, yeah. He cut it together with uh, with like promotions for his gummies. Uh, which is ridiculous. Okay, so I actually that that is the point that I have reached in my I, I have reached kind of the end of my uh, pre uh, prepared recap where okay. we have this poor guy. Uh, he did get the go fund. No, 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 but there's, there's, there's been little, an update. Yeah. Yes, though. Yeah. Continue. Give okay. me the update. Okay, so 
um, the the DMCA takedown notice causes that then kind of goes viral, and and the um, the the guy, what's his last name again? Which one? Hook. Hook. The, the 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 hawk. The the, the hook the, is the hook is hook. the guy that had his car hook. destroyed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Troy is the guy, the YouTuber. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, 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 yeah. I just didn't remember Hook's name. Okay. Yep. So so the the victim in all of this, um, things go viral because of the fact that his his you know GoFundMe you know was was briefly kind of taken down. He had to had to remove the video. He then proceeds to raise more money and whatnot. He releases a different video on YouTube where he talks about how, you know, uh, he got the, the takedown notice and also makes comments where he thought that, that Choi was involved. Choi then sends him a cease and desist from a lawyer, basically threatening to sue him for defamation. And then oh. Choi, uh, and, and, and then Hook has to update like another video where he's like, well, I took it down again. The reason I took down my GoFundMe is because I've already raised the money I need from it, so I don't need it anymore. And then I took down my other video because I talked to some people who I don't think they were lawyers, but they were maybe lawyer adjacent who were like, look, just just settle. You don't want to be involved in this. You don't want to go. You don't want to take this to court. Um, I get it. This this guy doesn't have money and doesn't want to fight it. There's absolutely no way that what he said was defamatory, but None. that is beside None. the point. Like like zero way whatsoever. None. But but he didn't even say he organized the jump. He said he organized the, as I recall it, organized the meet, which is dead accurate. That well, was I mean, what I took it. Well, to well say. I mean, regardless, the guy right. has three million subscribers on YouTube. He's a public figure. Yeah. Um So 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 the the the. Like the step, like the oh, threshold for, for defamation is, is yeah. So, so, so the, the, the yeah. threshold for defamation is much much higher. But regardless, also if you believe truly in in that case that it is like true, that is your opinion. You're not stating it as fact. No one is taking it as this guy being like the one factual. Anyway, regardless, he wound up just taking the whole thing down and then saying, "Look, if Alex Choi says that he didn't do it, wasn't involved, he wasn't involved. And that's all I have to say about it." But apparent and apparently he's going to release some other update about, I guess, the status of of the car and and what he'll be doing. But the one good thing before you go off, Bree, on on all of this, because I know you really have like opinions, was that um, it does seem like, you know, he was able to raise money for something that is not his fault. Um, but uh, the, the the YouTuber proceeded to be like wasn't bad enough that he sent the DMCA takedown notice the first time the fact that he then sent a second one even after the guy like took the clip out of his video is just like dude really it's nuts yeah we go off <laughs> okay i have so much to say about this and sorry by the way i know i sound like two pack a day smoker today <laughs> like it's getting it's worse today. okay it's okay uh so look this guy alex Choi, has a he does not have a good reputation in the car community, not just for doing dumb things like destroying his own Lamborghini. He's a guy in his early 20s, by the way, who has a Lamborghini. So let's just stop there. He took it out to a mud pit and did donuts and destroyed the intakes on it in a $200,000 Lamborghini. So that's the kind of guy this the, he is, right? Doesn't value things. He also very famously had a video where he looked like he was doing some stupid things while driving and nearly killed a motorcyclist and thought it would be a good idea to post it online, which is, you know, uh, so he has a reputation, I think many in the car community feel, of being, uh, frankly, somebody that is uh, 
endangering the public with some of the things that he's doing and doing some really bad stunts. So if you watch his video, I actually wouldn't suggest doing that because you're giving him money. But if you did, (laughs) um, you'll see that he organizes this Tesla meetup, right? Where he wants a bunch of Tesla people to get around, change the sound of the horn to a fart, and then everybody's farting on their car horns. And then he's talking, he's like, yo, we're going over to where David Dobrik jumped his car. And he goes there, and he's being guided about where to park and everything. And he's like, oh, it's going to be really, really big. It's going to be cool. And like a bunch of people are standing around filming for this epic shot. And Simone you did not stress enough how epic this jump was. I, I did I will not. Give, it was I will pretty freaking epic. It. It, it, was, yeah, it, was, it was fast yeah. and furious style. Totally. Like David Dobrik, when he did it, he caught a little bit of air. Not impressive, honestly. This was ramp up like 10 feet in the air, slam down completely, smash the front end, swerve mm-hmm. to the right, smash every trash can on the right, swerve to the left, smash every trash can on the left, and then bam, impact at the end of the street, hit Hook's car so much it flies up in the air, comes down, and bam, smashes the axles on it. It truly, so, I was afraid yeah. that the Tesla was going to flip over frontward. It was right. going, it like it looked like it was about to before it hit the ground. A hundred percent. And one thing I'll add to is that when you watch this, because like then like the retcon of this is, oh, you know, I didn't know what he was going to do or any right. of that. It, it is is completely farcical because the whole thing is set up where the reaction, if it were me, who I was not expecting this to happen, my reaction seeing this come out would not be, oh my gosh, look at this, how, you know, whatever. It would be, oh my God, especially when you see it land, is everyone okay? Right. right? He, that would be right. My in his real defense, reaction. he does ask if everyone's okay yeah, at a certain point. But he doesn't like mean it. 10 people he, lined up on either side of the road with their phones. Yeah, but out he does it as a secondary it. thing. He does it as a secondary thing. And that's why I actually mentioned this because he does it as a secondary thing and it felt completely disingenuous to yep. me. And it yep. felt completely like to me, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, you knew this was about to happen. And, 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 and you were, you know, cause, and, and again, I know what it's like for your friends to do stupid car stuff. Now, in my case, this was before YouTube. If, if, if YouTube had been around, I'm not going to claim that I didn't know people who wouldn't have done stupid stuff. I've, um, I've done this. I've ramped cars. I did it on, well, I'm not going to, well, I did it on 40th Avenue in, but that's in Hattiesburg, right? Like there's no, well, I mean, right. well, I mean, regardless, e- e- uh, look, and I'm not, I'm not going to say one is better than the other because they're not. I'm saying the difference is like when you are purposely, in my opinion, you know, this is happening, you're filming it and you go right. into it. Like, you know, this is going to be content. So, so the, the fact that it's being retconned is why I didn't know that this was going to happen. I'm sorry. That's complete and utter. You're going to have to bleep me, Simone, but that's complete and utter. B- like there's, yep. there's no way that that is in any way conceivable or feasible at all. I, I want to add on to that, Christina, because what you just said is so important. His defense, which he's tried to do, he did it on the video, he did it on Twitter afterwards. His defense is, oh, I had no idea that they were going to jump. I I had nothing to do with this. I was a bystander. So let's just go through this. Okay. A guy with nearly a million YouTube subscribers gets a bunch of people out there. They're presumably fans of his content. They go to a place where a very famous YouTuber leaped the car, 
right? He specifically drives to that location. And then you can watch in the video, about 20 people are standing out there filming this thing that's going to happen. And then his defense afterwards is, I didn't know they were going to jump. I had no idea this was going to happen. That is a lie. And the people that are lining up to defend him are just simps for this. Like, just because he says he didn't know, like, watch the video. It's all there. It's very obvious. And what seems extraordinarily likely to me, if you make a logical induction, is that this person, part of their motivation for doing it and the three other people in the car with him was probably to end up on his channel. So I think clearly... Like, if you're like, like, if I were adjudicating this in court, and let's say Hook brought a a civil suit forward, like, I would say, okay, the person that did the Tesla, he's 80% responsible. But to me, Troy would be at least 20% responsible, in my opinion. I think, yeah. I disagree with that. Sorry, go on. What baffles me about this is, as I mentioned at the top, it's a rental Tesla, and apparently it was rented from Enterprise, uh, which... I I don't know what's happening that there's they don't have Thank you. They, they I was going to get to this. Right? They must have yeah, a name say, on the I was, was going to say right? the I was car say, was abandoned at the scene. <laughs> I, I was going to say like there there was a story recently um I think I don't remember what publication it was in but there was a story where and this has actually happened a number of times and it's terrible where certain um it might might be hurts it it's might hurts be I, I, that you're thinking um, of Okay, yeah, where where people have um, been arrested and have had to like um, go through ridiculous court cases and to have other stuff because they've been told by Hertz or whoever that actually um, they didn't return their rental car. Can I elaborate on this actually? Yes, because uh, this story is absolutely nuts and it's, uh, it's been making me mad like every time I think about it. So the story is essentially that Hertz, uh, if you are late returning a car or sometimes if you uh, extend a rental and your the card that you have initially like put the down payment for the rental car on does not have enough to cover that like extended rental rather than calling you or doing any kind of internal thing what hertz will do is immediately file a police report reporting the car is stolen and the car may be returned at some point. It may be returned like later that day. We don't know and completely paid for. But what people are finding in some cases is that, you know, they will be pulled over for something or have a background check for something like during a job or interview have, or have the police show up at their house. Well, yeah, but yeah. And the then find yeah. suddenly that there apparently there is an active warrant out on them that they had never known about because of a Hertz rental that they had maybe like years ago that they no longer have the paperwork for or as christina said the police might show up at their house and be like hey like there's the case of this one guy who was working at hertz at the airport and renting his car week by week from them and the police showed up and they were like hey car stolen and he pointed at the car and was like that car that i have the paperwork for and the police were like gee yeah it (coughs) it sure does look like it's there but unfortunately we do have to arrest you which and it, it it's completely nuts to me. So anyway, my the larger point is, and we could talk about that all night. Um, I hate Hertz now. However, 
car companies have records of who rents cars from them. Yes. I imagine Enterprise is no different. Um, of course they do, especially a so, Tesla, because a Tesla is an expensive yeah. car to rent. So they they have, you know, you're supposed to have like your a copy of your driver's license. You're supposed to have other things. Now, do people lie about that stuff and, and how good are they at, at actually you know, like keeping that down. I don't know. But but for a car as expensive as a Tesla, I have to imagine that they have they have a credit card on file. They have something. They must. Yeah. So they, I, there must be something happening in the investigation that's not being made public because it would shock me if they don't have some kind of lead from Enterprise. Um, which brings me to the next most dumbest part of this, <laughs> which I think is just Troy editing it up and posting it on YouTube. Yes. It's a... It, you you did you witnessed a crime and then fled the scene like what, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, it's just ridiculous to me and, and like to me it just speaks to a broader issue of of prank and stunt culture uh, mm-hmm. in in online videos that like everyone in the video it, it's very strange to watch because everyone is acting like this is very very funny. And also a totally normal thing like there, there's not even a sense of like oh my god we're gonna get in so much trouble. It's kind of just like bafflement at like seeing the destroyed trash cans and seeing yep. the car and being like, oh, wow, this is a lot of damage. Huh? Well, this is crazy. We, we're, we're here. We are back here now. We left earlier. Now we're back. Like no sense of the, the, the idea that this might be wrong. And that's what's the weirdest thing to me about that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And and it's and it's almost like it, it's seen as like even after you see this, because you can almost understand before you see the consequences that people are like, oh, well, you know, I'm desensitized a little bit because I see all these pranks and all these stunts and all this stuff on YouTube and and it doesn't feel like it's a real thing. But once you actually see the the, the destroyed cars and you actually see like the other stuff to still be like, oh, this is so epic. You know, this That's is just normal weird. chill. It's 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 like it's it's gross is what it is i i actually think this is an important case for charges to be brought up on and i don't know what kind of options the lapd would have with uh, alex troy but i think if there were someone like hook or someone else who was willing to litigate here i i do think it's important here I did so many stupid things when I was a a teenager, and I think most people in car culture have stories like that, right? Like, it's just, it's part of growing up, but what I think is really dangerous here is there's a real difference in doing something stupid with your friends and doing something stupid for content to monetize with it. I mean, this video has gotten millions and millions and millions of views at this point. And that's the point where it's do you know what I mean? It's endangering the public for YouTube content. And I do want YouTube to take a look here, right? I do want the LAPD to pursue, to to look at prosecution here, certainly at the very least for the Tesla uh, driver once they find him. You know, I, I think that if uh, Hook did want to pursue litigation, there would be a lot of uh, lawyers out there that would take that case pro bono. Oh, no. Um, you know, this is, I, I do think this is the moment that you need to kind of, uh, 
start setting consequences in a court of law just for public safety because there's a there's a massive difference in doing something like this in the back roads of Mississippi and in downtown LA. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's a that's just a it, there's a massive differential of public danger here. I mean, I I, I agree that there's I think I think the middle of like a, a major city is different than on back roads. Um, uh, you know, me and my friends like we were in, you know, residential and, and other areas. So certainly like not, nothing like this ever happened, but, but certainly, you know, there, there were times when, you know, is, is again, you know, you're, you're running from the cops and you're, you're doing other stuff. So I'm, I'm not going to try to pretend like any of the stuff that, I mean, nothing like this ever happened, but I'm not going to pretend like, you know, I, I was like some angel or that, like, <laughs> I don't know people that wouldn't have been able to be victims of this, but I do get what you're saying. Where I think I disagree is I definitely feel like the, the the driver should absolutely be prosecuted and he should definitely be sued and his insurance and other stuff should go with it. I have a harder time, I think, at this point, just based on what we know, without more con- conclusive proof that that, that, that Choi should be um, um, I certainly don't think I, I'm not, I, nothing appeared to me here appears to show that there was anything criminal other than maybe like not reporting an accident or something like that. Right. Like, and which, mm-hmm. which would be misdemeanor at most. And, and, and that I, I, I even doubt it. Um, because even the cops had said that it was like misdemeanor, like hit and run is, is yeah. what they was, is what they classified the initial thing as. So they're, they're not classifying it as anything. And, and to be clear, the cops didn't care until the video went viral and, and, and it made them look bad, but the cops didn't care at all. So I think that's actually a bigger problem in a lot of regards than any other stuff is that these things can happen and literally it doesn't matter. Um, but, but I, but I feel like with, with Choi, like, I think the guy's a dick, but I don't know. I mean, if you wanted to try to like sue him civilly, I guess so. But I don't know how you're going to prove like we all know he knew what was going to happen. But I think you'd have to show that he actually was completely responsible for setting it up and convincing the guy to do the stunt so that he could film it for, for YouTube. Now, if you could prove that that happened, sure. But sh- short of that, I, I, I just don't I personally don't see how he should be held responsible in, in, in that way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What I what I was I, I just want to be clear on this. I was thinking something more along the lines of uh, you know, like wasting police resources, what happened to Jesse Smollett, right? Like that was ultimately about wasting the police's time. You know, I I don't know what tools they could have. I agree with you this civil venue would be the most appropriate thing. But I do know enough about this that they they apportion out the blame right? The person that organized the stunt, how much of the percentage might they have versus the person that actually did it. Sure. But, but I'm, I'm just saying we, we would need to be really clear about whether or not he organized or not. Because because like, I think that there's even a very big difference between I know someone's going to do this and I'm going to film it and I told them to do it. Like, yeah. I, I don't even think that they're, you know, like, um, so, and I just don't think we know enough. Like, I think the guy is, 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 you know, uh, it's bullshit when he says, oh, I, I didn't know this was going to happen. I completely agree with that, but I don't know if you can prove that. Hmm. I think that's fair. I, I do think if this trajectory continues based on the clip of him nearly killing a motorcyclist, I, I think that, I think that someone could get hurt very seriously. Mm-hmm. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Microsoft Lists. Are you looking for a new way to track and manage work and life from start to finish? Not not the end of your life, but just like the things <laughs> that you do in your life. Microsoft Lists is here to help you clear your brain space and get organized. 
It all starts at lists.live.com. Microsoft kicked off a preview program to try lists with your Microsoft account, all designed for small business and individual use. You start by creating and sharing your lists with your work colleagues, partners, soccer team, your neighbors, anyone you want to share a list with. You might create a list of books or movies for your monthly meetings, track home improvement and important receipts throughout the year, or build out team rosters for your, for example, soccer team or your volunteer group. At lists.live.com, you can get started quickly with ready-made templates. Use filters and views to visualize your information, and that means you can have one list with many views. And then you can share your lists as links to get other people's thoughts and work together. You can do a lot with lists. The ready-made templates save you time, or you can start blank. Let your imagination run wild and add in exactly what and how you want to track your information. It's super flexible and great for things like, say, issue trackers, event itineraries, or work progress trackers. Um, I I can visualize a couple cases for for lists that are very relevant in my life right now. One would be uh, my roommate and I have uh, like an ongoing list of things that we really want to do together this year because we feel like we didn't get out of the house enough last year for many reasons. But we have like both TV shows that we're watching as well as like venues that we want to visit, like bars and stuff and activities that we want to do. So I can visualize a way to use this where like I'm tracking like how are we spending our nights in versus how are we, you know, going out. And when we do go out, what is the sort of bucket list item that we're trying to do? You can go and try the preview right now at no cost. Just go to your browser and type in lists.live.com. That is lists.live.com. Sign up, sign in, and track what matters most. Check it out and let Microsoft know what you like and if you have any feature requests. Our thanks to Microsoft for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Taking a big sip of water. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, awkward pause. It always feels longer when, yeah, when you don't know what's happening. (laughs) You didn't know I was trying desperately to like not cough right into my microphone. You're like, you're like, like, I'm I'm running, running out of of saliva. I can't do it. There's (laughs) no more in there. Well, hey, let's get into our second big topic of the week, which is, of course, these freaking reviews for the Mac Studio and the Studio Display. So these have now finally been in the hands of reviewers after we hyped them up uh, after the Apple event a couple weeks ago. And what we are seeing here is rave reviews for the Mac Studio and not so (laughs) rave reviews for the Studio (laughs) Display interesting fascinating let's get into it uh, i haven't actually thought about how we want to do this do you want me to like kind of sum up both at the top or do we want to talk about them one at a time one at a time all right well let's start with the let's start with the good let's start with the studio yeah exactly yeah let's start <laughs> with the one that the, the good one and the one also uh, for, for for listeners who don't recall the one i did not buy um i will be getting well we'll talk about it but oh, i but no. i put it in order for no well, I, <laughs> 
Yeah, I, 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 I it's supposed to arrive in a couple of weeks, but I, I bought a studio display. Sorry, but go All on. All right. Tell, tell us okay. more about the good stuff. So the Mac Studio is, of course, the uh, little computer that looks, as The Verge pointed out, like two Apple TVs stacked on top of each <sighs> other. Uh, it plugs into your display and it, uh, while being very expensive, also has a lot of the capabilities you might want, such as ports, including USB-A ports, SD card slots. Um, it looks chunky. It looks delightful. It looks powerful. And apparently that uh, that promise is true. So reviews are saying that this is the machine that people wanted the 2020 Mac Pro to be. Uh, it's one that can handle a modern workload. And it also like hugely benefits from the performance of Apple's M1 chips, which were not around when the 2020 Mac Pro launched. Uh, so I'm mainly working off the Verge's review here. Sorry for being biased, but as usual, like the same thing they did with the 2020 Mac Pro review, uh, Neil, I took the device around and gave it to a bunch of people who work at The Verge uh, and said, hey, use this for a little bit and let me watch you. And what really stood out to me is that they they gave it to one of their video editors, uh, Becca Versace, Versace, who is great. She's I, she's my colleague. I like her um, and <laughs> saying that she was playing like in Premiere 4K 10 bit video um, at full resolution, like in in playback at four times speed with no proxies and just like playing and starting and stopping, um, which as a person who like just came off of the uh, 2015 MacBook Pro, which at the end of its lifespan, I would press the play button or the, the space bar and just like sit there for a second, like t- twiddling my fingers as hmm. the sound started and the video just didn't move at all. Um I don't face this problem anymore now that I have the new MacBook Pro, but this sounds like a beautiful fantasy world to me. Uh, They also point out that Adobe, which I, I, again, bias is the suite of programs that I mostly use. They have completely caught up now working with, you know, native apps on Apple Silicon. And it really, really, really sounds like this might be like this is the professional machine that people have been waiting for. Uh, What were y'all's reactions to the reviews of the Mac Studio? Yeah, no, I mean, it looks great. I am. Um, I'm very happy with um, it was interesting. I think actually, I think most people said, look, you probably don't need the uh, the, the the ultra, which is the the model that starts at, at um, four thousand dollars. Like you would be fine with with the the max. Um, the max is a little bit more performant because it has, I think, like more um, it's, you know, got like bigger fans and, and stuff um, than um, than the laptops. But it's very similar to like, you know, the the, the 16 inch or the 14 inch um, M1 maxes. And so I, I think, you you know, we both have those machines. Um, and, um, I, I love, I love it. And so, um, and I, I can attest to how powerful it is. So I, I wasn't surprised to see that. I was also impressed though, like to see, like, it does look like the ultra is a really good machine for people who need that much power. I will say, um, uh, Brianna and my, um, uh, uh, predictions that the, that the GPU stuff was not going to beat what NVIDIA had was completely accurate. Like <laughs> th- th- this is this again, though, this is not going to be a gaming machine. Not that anybody should game on a Mac period. You shouldn't do it. It's a bad and dumb idea, but this is definitely not a gaming machine. And, and it, you know, I don't know where Apple got their grasp for their comparison, but that was a silly thing, frankly, that they didn't need to compare themselves to. <laughs> Why um, do they keep trying to do it? <laughs> exactly. It's like, you don't need to do this. You're already so far ahead. Just to stop, you know, you're giving people reason to, to, like disbelieve your discount your other stuff but that said like for the use cases that this is going to be in that type of 
you know, optimized, you know, GPU stuff doesn't matter. Um, the, the, the unified kind of core stuff that they're doing for video, for instance, is perfect. So, um, I, I'm super excited that people have this machine. And I think really now I think that the big, like the big question I have is like, what are they going to do with the actual Mac pro when that is finally updated? A, how much is it going to cost? And B, like how, how powerful is that going to be? And what is that going to look like? Because, um, I, I think that for, for most people at this point, there'd be absolutely no reason to buy the 2019 Mac pro that the, the, mm-hmm. the Intel Xeon model, there'd be like, if you had a need for 128 gigabytes of RAM or um, uh, more than that, I think it can do, you know, several, you know, it might even be able to do like, like, like a terabyte. I can't remember how much it can do. But if you actually needed that much RAM, you'd be better off getting um, um, some sort of like PC, like what, what Bree built um, to use for your um, professional, you know, like uh, weird server mm-hmm. kind of like workloads, like in my opinion, like the people who know that know why they would need it. But I think almost anybody else, it's it's an interesting product that this this costs less than the Mac Pro. But yet I think that for a lot of people, like this is this is the trash can Mac that people have always wanted. I I think it is for now. And look, I, Christine, I completely agree with your overall assessment of it. I, I would just add a small asterisk to this. I think if you're comparing it to the Mac Pros of yore, the Mac Pros of yore have something that's really different, and that's upgradability. Sure. And it's easy to disassemble. And if you look at the iFixit teardown of this, you know, it didn't get a great score. I think it was like 6 out of 10 or something. Uh, and they noted a lot of things in there. Like you can uh, you can replace the storage inside, but you cannot upgrade the storage inside, right? And I highly doubt uh, that with Apple's self-repair program, which is, uh, you know, their their program to let people uh, fix their Macs at home, uh, they started with like a program so you could replace your iPhone's battery or whatever. Um, I think it's very unlikely that they're going to be bringing like the M2 chip out, right? Mm, <laughs> Modules right. for that to let you do that. To me, that's always been the sexiest, most fun part of of the Mac Pro experience, right? Like it's oh, tearing yeah, no, it open. Right. And yeah, totally. I I just I I I'm sympathetic to it, but but it's like if you've got something that at the end of the day is serving the same function as a Mac Pro, an, an iMac, right? Like it's two parts instead of one. So you're getting a studio display in this. I I don't know. It's just a product that I'm personally less excited about. I'm sure it's very capable, but I I don't know. I just... It, that I mean, that, moment, that's why I compared yeah. it to. That's why I compared it to to, to the trash can, right? 100%, because be, be, yeah. because I feel like it, that was nominally upgradable, but it really wasn't. They never released better GPUs for it, other than the ones that came out at launch. You you, you could you know upgrade the RAM. That was basically all, all you could do. You know, put in some different storage, but it was it was it was nominally so. Whereas this, I think, you know, it, it it's. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't have that aspect of it. But for people who need the performance and don't need that other aspect, I, I guess that was the the audience I was going for. But sorry, I, go I on. think I think Apple is doing that, not you, to be clear, right? Yeah. I think they haven't brought Mac Pro out. And I think the Mac Studio is meant to be like methadone for those people, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but look, it's very competent. I think this the display is the more interesting of the two here. And well, I think you're going to be surprised on my take on this. Ooh, okay. I'm excited. Uh, okay. So- 
very differently from the responses to the Mac Studio. The studio display has been less appreciated. Uh, people are... Let's l- 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 just be honest about it. It's, it's, it's gotten bad. the worst reviews. <laughs> it's gotten the worst reviews that we've seen since the HomePod. Yeah, and the reasons I can I can totally understand why. Uh, so... People are saying it's essentially zero difference from the previous 27-inch 5K iMac. Uh, among the the tidbits about it I've gleaned are that it uses a regular LED backlight instead of truly cutting light from the black parts of the screen, uh, which some Apple devices do, like either use OLED or totally cut light from the parts of the screen that are meant to be black. It does not support HDR, only SDR. It only has a 60 hertz refresh rate, no option to go to go more or less. Uh, and it basically seems like a weird way to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, no, on you, a, didn't even, you didn't even talk about the worst part. Is it the stand? The webcam? No, 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 no. no the the freaking, camera. Oh, the, the webcam. OK, yes. The webcam, I, I think I want to get to that separately. Um, sure. Because it seems to be kind of a, it seems to be a software bug. Currently. Well, we don't know. That's the thing. Right? Yes. Like, well, okay. Yeah. Well, let's get there. <laughs> uh, so The Verge says the only thing that really sets the display apart is that it's 5K and there's like not, there's basically two displays that do that. So if 5K specifically, 5K is the thing you need, there's a case for it. But in terms of other quality of life um, adjustments that uh, are issues that other monitors have solved for, it totally comes up short. And on top of that, the uh, models that people have been using in reviews have terrible, it, terrible webcam footage. Uh, and this is meant to be like a 12 megapixel camera. Um, it On paper, all of the stats are good. Apparently, the speakers are genuinely good. Everything in that realm works, except that the camera looks like hot old zoom camera garbage. Um, and I think Neelai sent this in, like sent the footage into Apple and was like, hey, what? And they are currently saying that it it, it shouldn't look like that. And um, they are <laughs> trying to track down why it looks like that. But it's a very, it, it's a disappointing uh, feature for a, again, thousands, multi-thousands of dollars monitor. Well, it's it's $1,600 for the base model, either with VESA or with the non-adjustable stand. And then it's another $400 if you want to get the stand that adjusts, which we can t- we talked about last week is stupid and ridiculous. But, you know, like I'm not defending that. I'm just not surprised by the company that charged $400 for a pair of, of wheels. You know, like I'm just I'm just not in a thousand dollars for the for the stand for the um, XDR display. So, so I, you know, Christine, I, I give you a lot of friendly static on this show about your choices here. <laughs> right. Pope, Pope Brianna Wu is here to absolve you today wow. of your sin. Wow. Um, so look, this is, it is obviously highly priced for what you get. I feel though that the entire, like, commentary ecosystem has missed out on the most important thing here, which is this display is sexy AF. Okay. It just is. Uh, you know, every, every review I've seen has talked about the build quality and how amazing it is. And look, my Dell monitor on my desk 
Is it something that I'm proud to have in my office? Do I think it looks good? I mean, no, it's an ugly black rectangle. And I watch the videos of like raising the screen up and down and the beautiful build quality with it. And I I think it's okay to spend a little bit more on something that's nicer and makes your office look nicer and like feels coherent with your Apple stuff, right? Like you can, you can buy cars that will go zero to 60 as fast as my Porsche (laughs) will, but it's the feel of that, right? I think it's okay to pay a little bit more for something with those intangibles. And so, you know, Christina, I think it's, I think it's fine if you spent this money on this. Yeah. I mean, so my take on, on, I, I have still kept my order. Um, I'm not canceling it for a couple of reasons. One, if I did, and then I decided I wanted it right now, the back order for the VESA model is, is eight to 10 weeks. And I'm not doing that. Um, uh, two, I would like to see, you know, as, as more regular people get them, um, and, and start to show off more stuff. I would like to see, like, are they going to be able to release a, you know, a, a firmware update that might fix the camera and whatnot. I'll be honest with you. The camera is the part about this that I care the least about. I, I have uh, an A6400. You know, I spent $1,000 two years ago on a DSLR to use as a webcam. Yeah. I will continue to use my DSLR as a webcam that will always be better than anything that I can get built into my display. So that, Can I ask I, you a quick question about that? Sure. Or, or I want to I talk about your pipeline about that at some point because I want to massively, I spend so much time on Zoom these days, I want a good experience with that. Like, is this, I've, I've Ooh, looked I at some of the software. I think this might be a topic. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll, yeah, the, we should make this a topic. Um, we should do one next week. But but I'll say, long story short, get a cam link and, um, and, and then pick out whatever, like just, Pick, pick a good DSLR. But it's a, it's, is it reliable overall? Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, like I've had zero issues at all, and literally it's been two years. Awesome. Um, and, and, and I've connected it to multiple machines. So, um, so I will say, like, for me, the camera matters least, although it's frustrating when you see this sort of stuff because you're like, okay, what kind of control are you doing? How, how is this stuff getting out, right? Like, like mm. I, I have questions about that um, genuinely. And, and I know the bugs can happen, but also I'm like, this is a $1,600 display. Um, I will say there are things that bother me more than the fact that like uh, the, the price doesn't bother me that much uh, uh, for what it is because the the LG display, which is frankly been problematic and not well built and and yes, it has the same panel, but they've been mm-hmm. selling it for five years. That one is, is still thirteen hundred dollars. Um, I bought one of those. I got Stephen Hackett's and so I, I got mine used a couple of years ago. And I've used it alongside my um, uh, 5K iMac, and I've used it with some of my other devices. And my rationale for for buying that then, um, even though I had like a a nice 4K monitor, uh, external monitor, was I personally really like to have the 5K display. I want the perfect pixel doubling. Hmm. I want that native stuff for Mac OS. For me, that actually matters a lot. Okay. And 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 so for, for especially when I'm doing work in in, in Mac OS. Um. And and. The whole like argument about needing um, uh, a high refresh, we talked about this last week, but, but it bears repeating again. The technology for the Thunderbolt does not exist to allow that to happen with that many pixels. It doesn't exist. So you're not going to get it. Like you would have to either have it at like 4K and higher refresh or, you know, something else. And so, and which at that point, if they wanted to keep the retina designation that Apple uses, it would have to be a 24 inch display. So that's, that's not going to, and, and would a 24 inch 120 uh, refresh screen be nice? Sure. It would be with OLED. I would, I would love that, Mm -hmm. but 
that that's that's not where we are. So that doesn't bother me. HDR would be nice. Having better backlighting, OLED would be nice, especially for the price. Um, but but for me, the actual the bigger concern is okay, it's Thunderbolt 4, which is great. Um, and I get that Apple's wanting to encourage everybody to stay in their ecosystem and they're not about wanting people to use without their devices because God forbid anybody else have like multiple ecosystems in their life. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but would it kill them to have a display port um, like on it, right? Like a display mm. 1.4 port on it so that you could use it with a gaming PC or a PlayStation or an Xbox or something else. Like w- would that be the end of the world? Like to me that's the thing that I like look at. I'm like, okay, I'm spending $1,600 on this in large part, again, because of the aesthetic, uh, as Bree said, and because I want to have this pixel perfect density. It does look really beautiful. But if I want to use this with anything else, they, they make it really, really difficult to do. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that to me, I think is like the more egregious part. I'll also say, uh, sorry, go on. I was just agreeing with you because it is, and there are so many reasons that somebody might have a device that isn't part of this ecosystem, whether through work or because like the need to access a certain program, et cetera. And I I think you're totally right that it's just kind of close-minded and inconsiderate. Yeah, no, and I just I just feel like I'm like, all right, like what world do we live in? Like, right, like this whole like we can only be one thing. Also, again, like people use monitors for their video game consoles. They use TVs as monitors. Yeah, yeah. Um, for, for 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 gaming, I'm I'm less like like mad about it because again, I'm planning on getting um, an LG C2 OLED um, TV. Those are widely considered kind of the best kind of all around like priced gaming uh, TV slash like computer monitors, and and the C2 model will be available in uh, a new smaller 42 inch size as well as the 48 and, and the larger sizes they've had before. And I don't know what size I'm going to get, but um, I'll, I'll wait for some reviews, but that's what I'm going to be getting for, for more gaming stuff. But like it, but it frustrates me that I'm going to have a harder time using this with other laptops and other things. Um, and my, my last point, what I was going to make, and then, and then I'll shut up. I feel like that the stand stuff is totally worthy of discourse because it's stupid and it's dumb. And the fact that Apple is apparently like, well, if you come into the store and you have Apple Care and you want to, you know, swap out what type of stand you can do, they can do it for you. You know, who knows how much it'll cost. It's so dumb. But I would say if you are one of those people who is actually interested, if you're the small Venn diagram of people like me who doesn't care about a high refresh rate, is willing to spend $1,600 on a, on a display, um, because you want the, the 5k and, and, and you're willing to overlook, you know, kind of the other deficits. Cause also the unfortunate reality is your only other option is that LG, and this is better, um, in a couple of ways mm-hmm. than, than the mm-hmm. LG. And I think it's worth the, the price difference, at least from everything I've read so far. Um, I would recommend getting the one with the vase amount since they do make it very difficult to change your mind afterwards. The, the, the Vesa stuff, um, you can get, you know, a, a nice looking desk stand if you want that. But I think like I have a really nice Ergotron stand, which are arm, which yes, was several hundred dollars, but it is is lovely that will also let you use it on like you can actually turn it, you know, uh, vertically, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. shocker. So if, if that's something you're interested in, like I would say, like, just get the basic model and then pick out what type of stand or arm you want to get. Yeah. Don't, don't like spend four hundred dollars on a height adjustable piece of bs good advice any other thoughts on the mac studio before we move on or the studio display rather christina you're absolved of your sins i honestly i'm excited to hear you like talk about your experience with it and see how you like it when you get it and i do hope they'll fix the problem with the camera (laughs) 
No, I do too. I, I do too. And I will say this, like I, um, I, I've already like agreed with somebody, you know, um, locally that I will be selling them my, my LG, but I will say this, if I get it and if it's not like better, like in, in like on, you know what I mean? Like if I can't see any sort of improvement, like if I look at, it, I'm like, this is actually identical to what I've already got. Yeah. Um, I will return it. And and I will have to tell uh, uh, my friend Kyle that I will not be selling him my oh. my LG. Um, so I'm not afraid to do that. But from from what it's I've heard, an option. Like, what it, it is an option. Yeah, no. I mean, if if it's one of those things, if I'm if I'm like I really don't see any benefit in this over the other, then I have no problem returning it. Um, so we'll we'll find out in a couple of weeks. All right. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pocket Casts. How good is the app you're currently using to listen to this podcast? Does it mix your music and podcasts into one confusing experience? Does it have all the features that you need? Is it thoughtfully designed by people that listen to podcasts each and every day? Well, why not try something new? Pocket Cast is built by podcast listeners for podcast listeners. No matter how you listen to podcasts, Pocket Cast has you covered. Pocket Cast seamlessly syncs your listening progress across iOS, Android, and web, and it supports Amazon Alexa and Sonos smart speakers. With CarPlay, Android Auto, and even Android Automotive support, you can listen in your car too. You can enjoy the vibrant, constantly updated discovery section too, so that you can find your next podcast with ease. Pocket Cast also has Apple Watch support, including offline playback for when you're jogging without your dang phone. Plus, AirPlay and Chromecast support, too. It has all the supports. It's also fun to check out your listening history and stats. Uh, And this is a clever feature. It automatically rewinds podcasts a tiny bit if it's been a while since you listened so that you can catch up easily and be like, wait, what, what were we talking about, guys? Now you know. Pocket Cast is completely free to use, but as a listener of our show, you can get some exclusive benefits. Go to pocketcasts.com slash rocket to download Pocket Casts and redeem a six-month free trial of all of the premium features in Pocket Casts Plus. And if you are already a Pocket Cast user, but you haven't tried Plus yet, you too can redeem this offer. Just go to pocketcasts.com slash rocket to find out more. Our thanks to Pocket Casts for their support of this show and Relay FM. Now, listeners, longtime listeners of Rocket and internet dwellers may have noticed last week what our dessert story is. Many people are saying this. Many people are sharing this with me and Christina <laughs> because it's a story that involves both of us in a deeply <coughs> personal and touching way. Netflix and J.J. Abrams production company Bad Robot are making a scripted series about you two. <laughs> From the writer of the Bohemian Rhapsody movie? What? How excited are you? I am weirdly... So here, here I'm excited. I don't think it's going to be good. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I am blessed with the, the happy confidence that nothing can spoil my love for a thing so if they make a uh if they make a series about you two that has the quality of the bohemian rhapsody movie which i consider to be poor i won't care 
I'll watch it and enjoy it. And it will not ruin my enjoyment of the band and their concerts and their music. And more importantly, their existing concert documentaries, which I love (laughs) and watch yearly. Um, I'm psyched. How excited are you, Christina, a J.J. Abrams lover extraordinaire? I I mean, I'm I'm like I'm like you. Like I will look his track record is and Bad Robots actually, too, is very, very good. Will it be mad if it kind of like and and look, it's a scripted series on you, too. It's not like they can mess it up like they messed up the ending of Lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 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 there's 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 a certain kind of thing here. I agree with you. I thought the Bohemian Rhapsody was bad objectively on like kind of every level. And I really like Rami Malek, but that's not a good film. Uh, and I still don't care. I'm really interested in seeing who they cast for this, though. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I haven't even thought about that, honestly. <laughs> I, I've i been just so overwhelmed with the mere fact of the series existing. So I have a lot of questions. We don't know a lot about this yet. Uh, like what I, I believe we don't really know anything about what the content of it might be. Uh, people have said or Hollywood reporters said that you two will probably like sanction the series, but it's not sure what creative involvement they will have with it. Um, obviously you too <laughs> famously huh. was founded in uh, the year 1980. So we've got a few decades to work with. Um, we've got some dramatic, you know, ups and downs throughout their career. So I, I really honestly, like this could be anything. I could see this being a series that covers their like early, early band days in Dublin, trying to make it. Uh, there is a notably like dramatic period that they went through, um, like during oh my god, the Octung like right uh, as they were recording Octung Baby in Berlin, where the band was like falling apart, uh, which was like right after the Rattle and Hum tour. This was na- 1989 or 1990, um, where it was just like they had gotten super big after Joshua Tree. And done this big American tour and kind of veered into a new kind of music, new kind of music. It was new for them. It was like more like bluegrass, American, uh, like African-American tinged rock and roll. Um, They were experimenting a lot. And then they went to make this album in Berlin and everyone's egos were like getting the best of them. But then they went and made They Made Octon Baby, which was an incredible freaking album. Absolutely. Um, So those are definitely I I think that those are the most ripe for dramatic potential, because like after (sighs) that, like even though there was a lot of, I think, dislike for pop as an album in 1997, it doesn't have the 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 up and down narrative that uh, comes with Auction Baby. And then from then on, they're pretty much just soaring. Um, so I'm not sure like what the dramatic Wait, hooks... pop has a bad reputation? I know, Brie, I know. I That's, it's... that's the one I like. People oh my are God. wrong about pop. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I think that it's just, you had like the highs of, of the, the stuff up to that. And then it kind of was in this weird, it also came out at a weird time where music didn't, se- like their brand of music wasn't really what worked on radio in 97. It's very different. Yes. It's and, different and, from and, what they've done. And it's different from other music. <laughs> and, and But, but also I will, I will say this, like, Pop is not my favorite, but it, it it allowed all that you can't leave behind to happen, which is like one of the greatest comeback albums ever. Yes, yes, yeah, and and like that's kind of why narratively I feel like it's not going to be as rich because like they go into their kind of more staid like 
undramatic, huge pop acts from that moment. Like they're very, they go on to continue to be very successful and kind of non-dramatic from that point on. So it's like, okay, we're good. We're stable now. Uh, Bono becomes a VC. They decide to put an album Bono on everyone's album. Bono becomes the album. woman of the um, year. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, they, they, they decide to put, you know, their, their new album on everybody's phone without asking. Oh, my God. You know, yeah, like, you I can't do a dramatic is. series about an Apple event performance. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I hope it's about? You know, Nancy Pelosi this last week very dramatically read a poem by Bono. <laughs> got ripped apart oh my on Twitter god i hope it's, it's about the backstory to that and like bono was like saving like you know it's like that the 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 michael jackson game from the from the 90s on uh sega genesis oh my god. where he was like saving children that were kidnapped in a warehouse that didn't really turn out well uh now that we know things today but i hope no, like it's like you said, Christy, he has a killer track record. Like he is just amazing, JJ Abrams. And, you know, I just, uh, my thought about this, uh, for, especially for you, Simone, is yeah. I feel like I learned a lesson um, with recent events that happened to me. So I have said the most vicious about the Beatles, not just on this show, but on Twitter and in real life and the Beatles fans. And I mean, I mean, you're wrong on that on every level, but anyway, but, but then I watched get back on Disney plus, right. And I did watch all of it because Frank is a huge fan. And I saw that this band that I thought was just a bunch of overhyped like wow. uh, like nostalgia drugs for my dad <laughs> i saw there was really at the core like just a bunch of 20 something dudes that love making music and it was very pure and i was making fun of something that was really kind of beautiful and sweet so in that vein i i just i, I i'm gonna go into this with a very positive attitude I'm gonna, especially with JJ Abrams. I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe in Bono. That's my message. (laughs) Wow! Finally, my goal here is achieved. Thank you so much. Let me ask you this, Simone. Yeah. Um. I, you know, you mentioned that like it feels like like the the band is gonna sanction this, and obviously they have to have. I think at least like tacitly assumed that, or else they wouldn't have announced that this thing was going forward. If the band like, there's no way that you can make a YouTube show if the band is like, no, there's no way that Mm. that we will. Um, sanction this. Um, but do you think like how much do you? Th- but the band, I, I'm sure, will even if they're not involved, I'm sure they'll have some level of control. Do yeah. you think that they will let like the show be negative and like show their you know show like the 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 behind the music style stuff? Like as you mentioned, you know, kind of like when things were falling apart. Because I'm sure that there was a lot of stuff that doesn't make any of them look great. Um, especially Woman of the Year Bono. Um, so I, I'm just curious, like what was as the super fan, like, like, what, what do you think about that? I would, I will hope that it does. Like there is precedent for this. I, I believe the documentary that they made about the making of Octung Baby is called From the Sky Down. Um, I might be wrong about the name, but there is a documentary about the making of that album. And it does show a lot of like pretty rough stuff. From behind the scenes, and I remember for Rattle and Hum's uh, Rattle and Hum Days 10th anniversary, my holiday every year. <laughs> one year we kind of paired it up where we watched the documentary that was filmed around the same time that was like 
during and then immediately after Rattle and Hum was made. And it was definitely really enlightening because they they touch on some of the the issues that the band was having at the time and they're pretty honest about it. So there is precedent for like you two being willing to be a little messy with their backstory. Um personally, I feel like they have nothing to lose. Um just because they are I they are with limits too big to fail and oh, classic band drama would not be the thing that like oh, no, tarnishes their all. image especially since like this story is so well known like I was everyone say, knows people already know right yeah, yeah. yeah this isn't um, anything new it's just good drama the things that might be touchy um i know the edge got divorced around possibly this time um so that might be an issue like if there were any sensitivity i, I imagine it would be about their personal lives yeah, um, that's a great point. And and this just kind of took me on a tangent. But when you were talking about that, that making of um, um, documentary, which um, uh, for Octane Baby, which I've seen and I can't remember the name of it, but it's good. It made me think of one of my favorite um, uh, like music documentaries ever about the making of an album where they really show stuff getting messy. And actually, now I want this to become a TV series would be uh, Metallica's Some Kind of Monster. Ooh, I just- haven't watched that. Okay, it's fantastic because it is like the the band is like it was followed them from like 2001 to 2003. And so it, it's it's like uh, James is like uh, like entering rehab. This is when like all the Napster stuff was like blowing up in their faces and everyone was mad at them. And like they're, uh, you know, they uh, like like James Newstead like like left and like they've got to get like his replacement. Like it's it's messy as all get out. It's nice. really, really good. I'm into that. Um, all right, let's wrap this up. We're, I'm excited. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Coda.io. So many people love working remotely, and it is easy to see why you get to work from anywhere. All you need is a laptop and decent Wi-Fi. Um, one of the things that I personally like about working remotely is waking up immediately before I need to log on. Uh, mm-hmm. But keeping everyone on the same page and focused on the right tasks can be a challenge. And that's why so many people love Coda. If you have a remote team working across multiple places and your best work is spread out across different documents and spreadsheets with a stack workflow with stack workflow tools that you have to jump in and out of all day, you need Coda, the doc that brings it all together. Coda is endlessly customizable and connected. There are templates for anything and everything like product roadmaps, remote onboarding, OKR tracking, meeting notes, you name it, Coda has it. Coda adapts to growing teams and changing strategies. It can help change how you view information depending on what you need to do with it. And perhaps most importantly, Coda seamlessly integrates with the tools that you need. Everything in Coda is synced. If you make an update in a table, for example, it automatically shows up just about everywhere. So no more relying on copy and paste, which is terrifying to keep important projects current. Uh, Your team can operate on the same information and collaborate the way that everyone wants to, quickly and efficiently. With Coda, you can solve for just about anything. And right now, you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free? For free. Head over to coda.io slash rocket. That is C-O-D-A dot I-O to get started for free with coda.io slash rocket. Our thanks to Coda for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right. 
Hey, Christina, what are you doing this week? So I am um, just kind of finishing stuff, um, some stuff up uh, on on the on the work front, and um, I'm doing some other stuff that I can't quite talk about yet, but I'll be able to share more, more details um, soon. So yeah, Bri- Brianna, what about you? I'm looking forward to next week when we get to hear what Christina's up to. Um, look, I have a lot of like work stuff going on, and like Christina, I can't talk about it yet, uh, but I can say. I did the impossible. I killed chaos. Simone de Rochefort. You killed chaos? <laughs> I did. I chaos. did. I've been chaos. I'm here to kill chaos. No, we're talking about Final Fantasy uh, Stranger of Paradise. Uh, it's a game very much like Elden Ring. I'm obsessed with this game. It was better than my wildest expectations and I loved it and I finally beat it after only 45 hours so uh, I will probably continue working on the mode that unlocks after you beat the game which is called chaos mode (laughs) so that's what I'm doing this week Uh, I I genuinely am going to like once I'm off my Elden Ring hype train I really want to play this game because you have sold me on it and Ana Diaz's review uh, has sold me on it and uh, it sounds like good, good, silly fun. Can, can I say something? Yeah. Like this game. Okay. So there's a moment in the game where you're fighting one of the first, the bosses from the very first Final Fantasy game from 1985 uh, called uh, Kraken, right? Mm-hmm. And in any other game, it would be like a Final Fantasy protagonist going like, I will defeat you or you'll never win or get behind me, you know, something like that. Yeah. And instead, Jack is just like, <laughs> he rips his tentacles off his body and just throws him to the side. Oh my God. And then, boom, starts whooping on him. And it's a whole game like that. It yeah. is so joyous. Oh my One, God. I, I need love that. that. I need that joy in my life. <laughs> Um, this week, I'm continuing to enjoy my new 2021 MacBook Pro. Ooh, so I've like, been threatening to talk about this for weeks, and I, I will not <laughs> like fully talk about it because, again, we are totally out of time. But uh, listeners... We'll talk a little bit. Yeah, talk a little I can bit. talk a little bit. Uh, list- longtime listeners will know that I've been complaining for years and years uh, about my 2015 macbook pro that uh, i got from work i was doing all of my writing and video editing and audio editing and photo editing and internet browsing on this 2015 laptop which i you know loved uh when i got it and over the last year especially it had become very slow very difficult to work with um I made many pleas and Vox heard my pleas and they gave me the 2021 uh, MacBook Pro. It's the 16 inch M1 Pro with 16 gigabytes of memory. Um, And I have been loving this thing. Like I cannot sing its praises high enough. The form factor of it, like the, the flatness of it and the solidity of it, I adore. The camera in Zoom is an incredible difference. I just look good now. I just look yep. good, and that's huge for me. Um, <laughs> I love the keyboard. We're back to like the scissor switch keyboard. It's on a like black plate, so none of the weird like gross finger slime that comes off of my hands on a daily basis is visible. Which is so nice, um, and it sounds really good. 
And then most of all, the battery life, which was probably aside from like video playback being super slow on my 2015 being that that's fixed. But aside from that, the battery life was the biggest barrier that I was facing because that thing just could not hold the charge. And I noted down, I think the first day that I really genuinely started using this laptop, I unplugged it around 10 a.m., Um, I immediately started syncing 60 gigabytes of video footage from Dropbox. While I was doing that, I did a table read over Zoom. I edited part of a video and just generally used Slack and Chrome. And around 3 p.m., I was at 70% battery. And I was so happy. Specifically, I was at 69% battery, which is nice, but like, Yes. Anyway, so it it was just incredible. And it's continued to be really, really, I I don't have to think about it. And I don't have to worry about it. And that's been it's been wonderful. Yeah. So this is my little mini review of the MacBook M1 Pro. I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Uh, Hey, uh, Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, You can find me on Brianna Wu on Twitter. And Christina? Uh, you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. You can also see one of my tweets, which was shamelessly ripped off and then stolen oh. again on the front page of reddit.com. And you can find me on Twitter at doomquasar and at youtube.com slash polygon. Thank you so much for listening to Rocket. If you enjoy it, I hope you leave us a five-star review on the podcast service of your choice. Thanks so much. I hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week with another episode. But this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.